is the purpose of miracles? And I know that's a rhetorical question because church today doesn't allow you to really respond because we have no idea what you would say. But what is the purpose of miracles? I mean, when you think about a miracle, one of the things that you need to understand, it's to display God's mercy and love to his people. That's one of the great things that happens when God does a miracle. This summer, we've been working through Old Testament and New Testament miracles, and it's been amazing. And today, no better. If you're here today, you're going to have a wonderful message, not because I'm giving it to you, but God is going to display his love and mercy today. Another thing that it shows us is that God is in charge. He has authority, power, and dominion over anything and everything to do wonderful things like part the Red Sea, stop the sun, uh, win battles and victories, and raise people from the dead. That's the thing that we see in miracles. And our memory verse, and this is what we really want you to learn by the end of the 12 weeks, is this. It's Jeremiah 32, verse seven, or 27. It says, I am the Lord your God, the God of all the people of the world. And what does it say at the end? That sounded really strong. I mean, I would really believe in God if that's how you guys did that. But is the, the, the text says, is there anything too hard for me? The God that I believe, the God that I preach, the God that I challenge and convict and encourage every week, nothing is impossible for him. Regardless of what our theology is, regardless of what we believe, the Bible says that God can do anything. And here's the thing. I'm so dumb, I believe that. And I hope you guys will dummy down too and believe the same thing. So we're grateful that you keep showing up, and today we've got a great message for you, and there's, I'm going to have a guest come up and share. So if, you, if you're here today visiting or whatever, or you're just coming in for the first a couple times, I've got a friend that's been at church since Easter Sunday, and he's got a radical story about his faith. And I, I think it's really going to be fun. But we are on a mission from God. Yes, like the Blues, Blues Brothers. I just watched it the other night where they were dancing. And the mission is that we are to love the world one person at a time. Regardless of who they are and what they believe. And here's why. When you love people and you allow them to join in to the congregation, it says your kindness or your loving kindness leads them to repentance. And so we don't have to worry of what they're doing outside. We worry about the Holy Spirit working and molding them on the inside. And here's the thing that you need to know. Journey started in a house just up the road, and then we went to a tree, and then we went to La Mariposa, then we went to the Boys and Girls Club, and somehow we, we parked ourselves here. We're still looking for a building, but here's what you need to know. There has been literally hundreds of miracles that have happened in this church since the beginning. Hundreds, And there's probably been thousands of miracles, small and large, that we don't even know about. But I know that God has done wonderful and encouraging things. And that's not really how we preach. We're an evangelical church. We don't, you know, we don't preach signs and wonders and everything. I don't know why, but that's why we do it. Uh, but here's the thing. There's been all kinds of radical things that have happened. And the purpose of miracles is to show God's pa uh, uh, power and authority, but his love and mercy. Now, Jesus in the New Testament had seven types of miracles. I got a little graph up here to kind of show you what the miracles are. But these are the things that we see in the New Testament. Number one is we see, we see that he feeds thousands. He feeds thousands. Now, anybody like to cook here? 
If you like to cook and you've ever had to stretch a meal, it's not easy. You're in trouble if you have to stretch a meal. So all of a sudden, he feeds thousands with really enough for four or five, maybe two or three people. That is a huge miracle. And I know if you've ever had to cook and you're like, what? Another guest or two or three are coming? We might not have enough. Jesus' miracle of feeding was awesome. And last week we talked about God feeding all of the Israelites in the desert. He casts out demons. You know, as believers, we can't have demons in us, but they can harass us. They can get in our head and kind of twist us up. But as as believers, we can't have them because we can't be that. But he delivers people, and and that's some of the miracles. The second thing, or the third thing he does is he heals. I told you, I've said all summer, God told me in 2016 at the Coliseum with 50,000, 60,000, I still heal, Jeff. And I believe that. And he heals the blind, the, 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 uh, the deaf, and the sick. And he still does it today. I, you know, the spirit's not dead. So he's still working and moving. And so he is healing. And then, and then the third thing, or the fourth thing Jeremy preached on a couple weeks ago, he turned water into wine. Pretty awesome. The, 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 the next one was he has control over the elements. God has some, a, a crazy control over the elements. He walks on water. He parts the Red Sea. And you know, a couple of things that you see in the Bible. But he has dominion and control, authority over the elements and the water. He caught a fish with a coin. And he also provided the biggest catch for Peter and the boys out fishing one day. Just like Jeremy, I'm sure Jeremy just came back from fishing. He's up here, and we're going to hear like fishing stories for the next six months for this guy. Yeah, and so I don't care about hearing them. I just want some of the fish. That's all I care about. I don't really care about hearing the stories. And then the last one is that the resurrection power of God. Now, at this church, we believe in the resurrection power every Sunday. We don't wait for Easter. We believe it. We see it. We know it. We understand it. And it's here today. That resurrection power raises people from the dead. It digs people like me out of the grave so that I can come up and be a blessing to this community. God has resurrection power. And it not only raised Jesus from the dead, but we see it all through the Old and New Testament that resurrection power works. Yeah. I'll pander for claps for God. I usually pander for myself, laughs and stuff, but for God. But here's the question. What has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus done for you in this world? If you're online right now, you need to realize that God is at work doing something. Even when you can't see it, maybe you don't understand it, maybe you can't feel it, that does not mean that God is not working. If you're outside, are you you there? (laughs) If you're online, we got an outside group that's just an awesome part of the church. We're still trying to be user-friendly for everybody, and we're grateful. But here's the thing. God is doing stuff. And even when we don't see it, we must believe it and have faith that he's doing something. So let's dig into faith. Last week we talked about trust. Trust is that active part of faith. We talked about the trust fall, right? The trust fall was if I fall back, that's trusting. But really the belief that someone's back there, that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, here's the thing about faith. Everybody kind of poo-poos this and says, oh, I don't need to worry about faith. I have it. Really? 
Well, hopefully it'll challenge you as we dig into today to see what kind of faith you really have. To understand faith, the thing that you need to understand is you have to put it into terms of a relationship. And when we speak of a biblical faith, not just faith that the sun's going to come up, but biblical faith, we're speaking of terms in faith in God and trusting in God based on the relationship that we have with God the Father. And it comes through uh, Jesus Christ. And today... It's ministered to all of us from the Holy Spirit because that's what God left us to help us and grow us in that faith each and every day so that we can do that active part of faith which is called trust. So if you have our Bibles, we're gonna open up to Luke chapter seven. If you don't, um, where are the people with the rollers to slap your hand? <laughs> we're gonna have it up on the screen. We also have an app. Please feel free to download the app. All the notes are there, and uh, if you're following along uh, online, we'll also have them as well. So Luke chapter 7, if you know the text, it, great. If you don't, here's what's happening in a nutshell. The, there's the sick that is being healed. There's the dead being raised in the next part. And then in the, the, the final part, the sinner is forgiven. All great miracles, one of the greatest miracles is you being forgiven of your sin, just like I am. So let's read from Luke chapter 7. And uh, see what God has for us. Here's what it says. When Jesus had finished saying all the, uh, saying this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you and we lift you up today. And we ask that the Holy Spirit, I, I know that you're here right now, that you speak to all of us. That you break down the walls that we have put up so that you can get through those that are online in their living room or in their bedroom. I pray that you speak to those outside. And Lord, I pray that as we are digging into your word in Luke 7 today, that you will allow us to understand what you have for us. We claim you above everything, Lord, and we know that you can do anything. And so we celebrate you in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. So what is he saying here? When he finished saying this to the people, well, what is that talking about? If you look back in the chapter 6, Luke's a little different than Matthew. It's got one chapter of the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about love your enemies. He's talking about don't judge. So it says don't judge, but we judge everything. As soon as you walk in, you're judging all oh, this and that and the worship and all of that. It says don't judge because I'm going to be, I, God is a judge, but we judge everything. And we've become more judges recently. And uh, the idea is to put our gavel down and give it to the one that truly should judge. Uh, the, the, it talks about tree being its fruit and building a solid foundation like Jeremy was singing in that last song. And so he just finishes the Sermon on the Mount. We got a picture, a group of us, like 27 or 8 of us are going to Israel in, a, in, in next February. It's going to be really fun. And there's a picture of this, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a beautiful, wonderful place. There's a church right above this. And you go in and it's got the Beatitudes all planted around. It's a wonderful experience. And so Jesus is now finishing here and now he's heading to Jesus's home the city of Capernaum it actually says when you drive in G the home of Jesus because this is where he comes to get refreshed and so there, there's this place that it's the synagogue and Peter's house these are backwards but th th these are the ideas of what we're doing here and it's going to be wonderful northern part of Israel and uh, and here's what's happening Jesus is now shifting back at home base and somebody comes knocking on the door and here's what it says. At that time, a highly valued slave 
of uh, the Roman officer, maybe your Bible says uh, centurion was sick and near death. And when the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. Now, here's the thing. The Roman soldier or the centurion, whatever your Bible says, we read from the NLT because it's easier to read and it's easier to understand. And it spells out some of the Greek and Hebrew in it. The, the centurion appears to be, from just the first sentence, a devout man, uh, a humble man, a kind man. And there's a little bit of a rub here, and you're going to see it play out in the text. But there's this rub here because he's a Gentile, and he's a Roman soldier, and he's actually part of the oppression of Israel. But here's the thing. He's in partnership with the Israelite church and the people. It's a synagogue, I guess, not a church. But he's an instrument of oppression for all the Israelites. But this guy is now coming in and partnering with the Israel people. And he has, he has a great relationship. The Roman soldier had this unusual attitude towards his slave. Because the law said, if you know the law, and most of us don't, under Roman law, the master had the right to kill his slave. That was his right. If there was somebody underneath him, he had the right to kill his slave, and it was expected that he would do so if the, if the slave became ill or injured to the point where he couldn't work. It was just like, oh, we're going to take the slave out back. It's time. He can't work anymore, so his life is over because that's the rule. But we don't see that here because something's happening in this man's heart. Verse 4, so they earnestly begged Jesus to help this man. So the respected leaders are begging, help this man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people. And here's the best part, he even built the synagogue for us. So you basically have someone from a different faith base going, hey, I'm going to help build a worship place for the opposite religion or some other type of religion. And these people adored this man. Apparently, the centurion or this Roman slave didn't think of himself worthy to personally meet Jesus. Probably because he knew that Jesus didn't want to meet someone that was outside of the realm of Judaism. He didn't really believe that he was worthy of that. So he sent these Jewish leaders, these people that he had partnered with, to represent him to Jesus Christ. And the Jewish leaders, they did it gratefully. Because they knew that this man was worthy because of his heart. Something had happened in his heart, and it's called faith. Now, here's the contrast. Here's a teaching moment for a second. We don't need representation to come before God. The Bible says we can come boldly to the throne. We can come directly to God. You don't need me. So if you have a, a, a struggle this week, don't call me. I'm probably not going to answer. Can I, I know, ever. Thank you, Deborah. Um, because you can go directly to God. My job is to point you to God, and if I don't answer, guess what you do? You go to God. Right? If you're online, realize that you can go to God right now, and, his, and your living room can be filled with the glory of Jesus Christ right now if you invite him in. And that's what we have. Romans 4, 5, this is a little address that you can write down. It says, he justifies the ungodly. So we can come, I can be whoever I am and do whatever I want and then come before God and he justifies those that are ungodly. 
And that's what we, that, that's kind of what the centurion doesn't know about Jesus, but we 2,000 years later do know. So here's what it says in verse 6. So Jesus uh, went with them. So now Jesus is heading to uh, this guy's house. But just before they arrived at the house of the officer, the, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy for you to come. I am not even worthy for you to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and the servant will be healed. In my Bible, I wrote in my notes, do I have that faith? Just say the word, Lord. Just say the word. We don't really believe that today, but this man did. Today we feel like, oh, I've got to go to church. I've got to go to the pastor's office. I, I can't really read my Bible because I don't understand it. I can't have someone speak into my life that has the authority over me. I, I, I just don't believe that. And because of that, we don't have faith that, like this centurion. And what happens is we then lack. And I don't know why we lack, but we do. And I, when I say we, I'm in there because we're not allowing our faith to take us to a place that's unseen and not understood. The Roman soldier knew that it was going to be a problem for this prominent rabbi. He just thought he was a prominent rabbi. He didn't know that he was necessarily Lord and Savior. He just knew that this guy was doing something that nobody had ever done. He's like, if that's the guy, I want him in my house. I want him in my life. I want him close to what I'm doing. So he had some friends go and say, hey, it's not necessary. Don't come in. And if it's like me. Hey, my house isn't clean. Don't come over. And really what he was saying is I'm unclean. You're Jewish. I know that I'm unclean, so I don't really want you to come into my house and into my life because I don't feel worthy. Now, I kind of wish that Jesus would have just went to the house because it would have been very radical for the people to see because you see later in Acts, Peter and Paul have this struggle because they're like, you can't be in that. You can't eat the same things. And they had to learn, like all of us, about Jesus and learn the ways and the, the, how to walk with Jesus. But I kind of wish he would have. It would have been very radical. And, uh, you know, we need more radical things with God. This soldier was a remarkable man. You need to understand that. The elders said that he is worthy. You know what he says? I'm not worthy. They praised him for building a house of worship, but he felt he didn't even want Jesus come close to his house because he felt so unworthy. They said he was deserving, and he said, I'm undeserving. That's interesting. That's interesting because having strong faith and great humility are entirely compatible, but we don't see that too often. In today's day and age, we become self-righteous and we become egotistical about our faith. But really, we need to be humble and let that glory of God take over our heart and soul so that we can experience him. Spurgeon writes, uh, the, the prince of preacher, the preacher of preacher, he says this about this particular centurion. He says, the two features of the character blended in the centurion do not often meet in such grace and harmony. These two things, the undeserving and the deserving, don't usually meet because usually what happens is Christians, though we're not supposed to be prideful, we get prideful. 
And so Spurgeon says they don't meet, but he had won the high opinion of others, yet he held low esteem of himself. That's where we're lacking in our state today. That's where we're lacking in our country today. But here's the thing, that's where we're lacking in here today. Outside, inside, online. We need to let the humbleness take over our life and let the glory of God persevere through our life. But it doesn't come with arrogance and pridefulness. It comes with an attitude of I'm going to let God work and move in a very powerful way. This man showed great faith in Jesus' word. Do you? I mean, I read the word every day. But do I show great faith? Do I hold it above anything else in my life? We all say, oh, well, I'm a Christian. Jeff, of course. Really? This man showed great faith in the power of the word. He didn't actually think that I physically need to touch Jesus. I really need to go to Israel because there I'm going to walk where Jesus walked. And the first time I stepped into Israel and Tel Aviv and I was praying on the bus ride, you know what God told me? I'm in Camarillo too. Nobody has to come here and worship God because I'm in Camarillo. I'm in Ventura County. I'm even in Las Vegas. Some of your friends are in Vegas, I see. You guys are cheering for them. We don't need to have uh, the physical touch of Jesus to heal us and to touch our lives. We just need to believe in his word, and it happens 2,000 years and still going that God is building a kingdom just by his word. Verse 8, I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have the authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I, do, if I say to my slave, do this, they do it. The Roman soldier also knew about military chain of command. How the orders of one and authority were unquestionably obeyed. And he saw that Jesus had some level of authority that He's never recognized before. I had a conversation with my buddy Joe a couple weeks ago, and Joe understands chain of command. And here's the thing. People that have been in the military or in armed forces or a police department understand authority and chain of command. And when you understand that, here's the authority. God first, then your marriage, right? your relationship with God, and then your kids, and then your job, and all of that. But what happens is, is we're upside down. My kids become before God. My soccer and my life becomes before God. And God's like six or seven because I'm a believer, but I'm just not a truster, and I'm not a follower. Command is important. And me and Joe had this wonderful conversation. Here's what verse 9 says. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, turning to the crowd that was following him and said, I tell you the truth, I, have ne I haven't seen this faith in all of Israel. I haven't seen this faith in all of Ventura County. I haven't seen this faith in all of California. You know why everybody left? We're in Vegas. Yeah. I haven't seen this faith in the United States. I don't see this faith. And so he goes to the other side. And that's why the gospel went rampant. The centurion understood Jesus' spiritual authority and power, and it marveled Jesus. His faith gave him confidence to believe in the mere words. The mere words. This right here. 
the thing that you're putting your coffee cup or your Diet Coke on. He just believed in the word. And he read it for himself, he believed it himself. This attitude was free from the laws of this world and the reliance on the laws of this world. It was free from the things that we believe mentally. It broke us free from that. This type of faith that we struggle with, we have high tech and we believe in hospitals and all of that stuff and so do I. If I get hurt, I go to the hospital, but I also believe that God can do anything on the way to the hospital or outside of the hospital or in the hospital through the doctors and the medication. But we have to believe in the word. This is great faith. It's worthy, worthy to be praised and it should be focused on today. There's two things that marvel Jesus in the Bible. Number one is the faith of the centurion. He is marveled. This word is beyond belief. He is like, this is something I've never seen on earth. It's, it's big. The second place that he marveled is Mark chapter 6, verse 6. Do you know where it is? Where the people were in unbelief. When he went back home, he's like, oh, I'm a hometown kid coming back to Nazareth. And, and they were like unbelief. They couldn't believe that Joseph's kid could be the Messiah. So God, uh, you, we can marvel Jesus by our faith or our unbelief. Where are you at? Jesus considered this faith amazing, even in this person that was oppressing the Israelites. And he said it's greater than anything that he said. And then at the very end of the text it says, uh, when the officer's uh, friend returned to the house, they found the slave completely healed. Now I'm going to pause for a sec. Hey, Chris, you want to come up, bud? Grab that microphone back there. Hey, uh, my friend Chris is going to come up and share a little bit of his testimony today. And so give him a hand. This is Chris and his family today. And... You know what? Chris has got a really crazy story in just the last couple months. Yes. Right? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah, good? it's good. All right. Introduce your wife and your family to oh, us. They're so not here today, but. This is my strong wife, Patricia Ortega. This is my newborn son, Isaac Santiago Oriana. And that's my seven year old daughter, Sofia Bella Oriana. So at the beginning of 2022, you had this tunnel vision. Yes. What were you motivated by? So in the beginning of 2022, with the new expected news of having a second child, um, stressed out a lot, and I focused a lot on basically providing, making money, working hard, kind of putting myself in a dark, lonely place to just, you know, really grind and make money like I used to do in my old days. So you were married. Yes. But your wife would say you weren't... Faithful. Present, faithful, distant. Yeah, wasn't... I was very distant from my family. I was checking in physically, but not mentally. Was there helping, but was more of a just presence in the household. And I could, I could tell I was falling back in my old way. So, you know, my wife was concerned. She was saying things like, you know, if, if, if you don't get it back together, you don't go back to faith and you don't put our family first and God first, then um, like she's going to have to, you know, part ways and go about things her own way because she can't go through that hurt again, that pain again of uh, me just not being there as a provider or father or, or husband, if you would her say. Um, so I had a, again, I was stressing out and um, I had a reality check and I knew my, my parents are pastors. My father has a, he's a pastor in Long Island. My mom is a pastor and a sister of a church in Puerto Rico. So I knew the power of prayer. I knew it would always fall back into that. I always had back in the day, but I always was very flip floppy with faith. And um, 
I prayed on it, and uh, I felt like we had to go to a church, and Journey Church was always in Camarillo, always drove by it, and so that Easter service we are going to go to was actually Easter Sunday was the service we wanted to attend to, and sadly, we couldn't make it because at the time, she was nine months pregnant. We have a seven-year-old trying to get everybody all together at the same time was a little bit difficult. That's a miracle in itself. So, if you're here today, welcome. So we decided to stream it um, online. Uh, we streamed it online. Um, thank you for that, by the way. That service does a lot. And that service was so emotional, I wouldn't forget it. And I wrote them a message on Facebook about how it was as as a Marine, I, I try not to show emotion, and I try to not to be to show my kids emotion, but I cried that whole service, that whole Sunday service, I cried. And um, sent them a message on Facebook, and I was just, I was ready to, to, to put faith first and go back and put my, like family falls in with faith, faith comes first and then family falls into it. So, yeah, sorry, I'm getting choked up. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you sent us a message. Yeah. And so you, you said to me that the living room was just filled with God. Yeah. Here's the God, message that he sent. God. And, and listen, here's the thing. You know, Easter Sunday, we have a lot of people, but this encouraged our staff when we received this. And that's why we put so much energy online and outside. And that's a big part of it. So yeah. you sent us this message. But then what happens the following week? You're getting your life back together. You're getting so, your life back together. Um. Yeah, God was very present in that living room. Um, kind of took the family like by shock and how emotional I was and how I was ready to fall like forward with faith and basically follow this church and have Jeff guide me into faith. Um, so uh, May, no, April twenty first. So that following week, it's baby time. Yeah, yeah. So um, May twenty first comes and. Not me, sorry, April 21st, yeah. sorry, I'm all over the place. April 21st comes, which is the day before the due date, and uh, it was a crazy, insane drive, 40 minutes to a hospital in Tarzana, while she's basically giving labor in the car, <laughs> and 21, 22 minutes of us showing up to the hospital, baby Isaac was born. And um, I was so shaken by that. I've been through a lot in my day, and I was very, that shook me a lot. And I knew how to pray on that, pray for healthy recovery, healthy C-section recovery, uh, you know, just for the family and whole. And, um, sorry, I was really choked up. That's all right. <laughs> to get so you had this crazy, <laughs> uh, think about it, he's driving in the, and his wife's giving birth right there. And then they have to do a C-section. And so then after that, you really kind of go, I gotta get back to church, I yeah. gotta get my faith right, right? So I start, trying to attend church as much as possible, either through online service or coming to church by myself and she'll watch it from home. We came to the Mother's Day service as well. And you know, it, coming here, doing the miracle services was like a, like a intro to coming like back to like God. Because that, that Easter Sunday service, like it felt like he was telling me like, you know, I got your back, but in like his own way. Because he, he speaks to everyone a little bit differently. So I felt just overwhelmed that I had to keep going to church, keep learning. It was kind of like going to class, like, okay, this is what happened this week. Okay, he has the answers for what happened this week. This is what happened the following week, and what's going like, to – it just all fell into play in a, in a strange way, and it, it, it helped me a lot. As a man, as a father, as a provider, it helped me a lot to, to come to church. So, yeah, amen. 
So what happens with your daughter in all of this? You now have a newborn a week yeah. or two into it, and so then something happens with your daughter. We have a newborn, and um, our daughter got very stressed out, very stressed out, very anxious, has anxiety, separation, anxiety, all that. And um, she ended up having these uh, ticks, these physical ticks. It was more of a hardcore neck snap that she would do. And um, it was due to a lot of stress in the house. And at the same time, uh, while she's healing from her C-section, she starts to have very painful discomfort in her stomach as well. And she's going through a lot of physical pain. And then there was um, uh, one night where she was in a lot of pain. The baby was up crying. It was like probably 4 in the morning, 3 in the morning. And then the baby crying woke up my daughter, who is very sensitive to any type of stress or anxiety or anything like that. And with her in pain, not being able to feed the baby, the baby crying, the, my daughter in pain, her not being able to sleep, and me just trying to hold it all together at the same time, I, I prayed and cried a lot. And I was like, um, why is this happening? Why is this happening um, to my family? Um, I've been doing everything right, you know? Um, I've been praying, going to church, trying. And uh, hold it's all right, man. And so you said, Lord. Yeah, that's the part I'm trying to get to. <laughs> I'm trying to, without delivery. <laughs> you said, Lord, I so, will take this pain, so right? So I remember praying, and I was like, whatever pain this family is experienced, just put it on me. I can eat it. I can eat the stress. I can take it. You know, like, um, it's, they don't deserve that. You know, they didn't, you know, any, any, why am I okay and everybody else is suffering? I didn't like that. So I was willing to, to eat it all. And just to hold it all. So then we uh, fast forward the past couple of weeks. I'm still praying for my family. Your wife had to go praying. to the doctor. Yep. So then um, we we're praying for the pain that she has. And she's in such excruciating pain that one morning she decides she's going to go to the, to the ER and check out what's happening. She did a couple of doctor's appointments. So she goes, checks out what happened. She checks in and she's in there for about five, six days. Um, never comes home. So he's here with a newborn, a seven-year-old, and a wife in the hospital. They can't go see her, right? Yeah, we can't go see her because of COVID. Have a newborn at home, and then we have a seven-year-old who's also, you know, suffering from her own little, you know, behavior things. And we're creating a very positive home environment for her and trying to keep everything stress-free so she doesn't have to worry about things. But we knew this was going to throw a curveball into the wrench because I have to tell the little girl where her mom is every night. And... Um, it, it took a lot and you know I'm trying to comfort her emotionally through you know Facebook and webcaming and then trying to comfort the seven-year-old and then also trying to take care of a newborn at the same time without his mother present and um, on that fifth day which was a Saturday I cried a lot and bawled and prayed and begged and I was like if she could just be okay because she was supposed to come out a couple of days ago and she kept getting cleared and uncleared and then cleared and uncleared they were like she can go home she's not going home she can go home she's not going home and so I had to keep breaking that news to my daughter. So I prayed that she would come that day. And then that following Sunday, I watched the service again from home. I was catering to both kids. And while, before the service even started, while the, while the singing was going on and everybody was worshiping, I got a message from her saying, hey, babe, I'm coming home. It's over. And um, I that think- That was a big moment. Yeah, yeah. I think the church, I commented on the Facebook stream of how, how emotional everything was just, um, playing out, how I went from just focusing on something that 
completely didn't matter. And then being so trustworthy and just prayer and the power of prayer and just trying to be like, hey, I need help and just help, like, please help me. And I had nothing else. I had, like, we have no family out here or anything like that, but I mean, we didn't, it, I was hopeless. So I prayed. And God met you in that service. She comes home that yeah, day. She comes but home that day. But meanwhile, yep. your seven-year-old still is having ticks, where so much they had to have a neck pillow. Yeah. So that's the neck pillow that she's wearing in that in that photo to to subdue her her ticks and stuff. And then so now that her mom's good, we're both you know we were in the room and she's still healing, but she's stressing out over the the fact that my daughter's still having this emotional and physical you know problems and breakdowns and stuff. And she, she was crying every night. She was crying every night, crying every night. And me trying to be the guy in the household, keeping it together. And I told her, I was like, you know, just pray on it. Have faith. Just we'll pray for her together. Pray and have so faith. So the guy that had no faith is now preaching faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, thank you. <laughs> so I was telling her to, to pray on it and have faith because it was honestly out of our control. We can make whatever kind of environment we wanted to, but it was out of our control. There was nothing we can physically do to make it better. And as a father, that's hard. That's hard to be like, I can't help anyone. It's hard. So um, we prayed together. And then um, two days before Journey's birthday, uh, my daughter stopped the ticks. So um, she... Hey, don't make me cry, bro. <laughs> so um, she no longer wears the, the pillow. She wears for comfort. She doesn't really wear it anymore. Um, as of yesterday, when I came home from work, she didn't do it all day yesterday either. And, um, and yeah, the, the, it works. It was, it was crazy. I mean, she still has her, her episodes here and there. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's crazy how my household went from, like, a dark um, place to a more for myself which wasn't present in people's eyes, but I was still within myself to a place where everyone is believing in faith, even my child, like brought the whole family up, you know? So. Okay, so real quick, what do you want to tell these people? The last things you told me yesterday as we were talking. Yeah, so um, what I want to say is that God works in very mysterious ways. And um, me being a Marine, that's, that's one thing I was like really, really good at besides trying to be the best dad I could be. Um, and in the Marine Corps, they really, they break it down to nothing. They, they, they break you down to, to, to whatever you think you are, and then they take that too. And then they build you up. And then that's why you have elite good Marines. And I felt like that's what this situation was. I was so stubborn and so arrogant and focused on other things. And he tried, he tried telling me through my wife, my wife telling me, you know, you need to get right or we're gone. You know, you need to, you need to, something needs to change. And I'm not listening. You know, I have my mom talking to me, you know, about the word. And I'm still going to work trying to hustle, make money. And that, that's all I'm caring about. And he took everything away from me. He took the, the money away because I had to stop working to take care of the family for four months. He took the money away. My wife was hurting. My kid was hurting. And I was fine. And that bothered me. And then I think that's what pushed me to, to find faith. and Because I, I look every time I look up and I, I told Jeff this, I was like, I see what you're doing. Like I get, I get what you're doing, cause it, it, it's, it's one thing to to fall into faith, but it's another thing to understand when it's happening and why it's happening. And he does it different for everyone else, and that's that's just. But yeah, he works in mysterious ways, and and it, he will always find a way to get you back to him. 
there will always be a way to do it. And I feel like that's, that was how he did it for me. Hey, so Chris is new, and so he'd love to meet you all. His family and him are ready for friendship. Yeah. <laughs> so he'll be out on the patio. Hey, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Love thank you, man. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we don't do a lot of Journey infomercials because we don't believe that this church is greater than any other church. We just believe in a big God. And so we don't do a lot of that, but we wanted to show you what God has done. It's been since April, less than four months, and God has done radical things in this guy. And trust me, he sent me a 10-page email, so we cut it down a lot. But here's what I want you to go. I'm gonna, there, there's some notes about seven ways or seven elements, but I'm just going to cut through it because we're going to get back up to worship. Here's the thing that I want you to know. First Thessalonians, the message says this. Can you put up the last slide uh, before? Yeah, this one. No, the one before that. This is the last slide. I want you to know Thessalonians. I don't usually use the message except for commentary maybe, but here's what it says, and I thought this was really good, and it's a good close to what uh, Chris was talking about. He says this, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit and soul and body. Keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he says it, what will he do? He will do it. My brother right here is a testimony. Most of the stuff has been online, and we've put a big uh, focus online. And here's the last slide I want to put up today. We're going to worship, and we're going to celebrate. We're going to have prayer in the back at the end. But here's the last verse, and here or the last slide. It says this. Some, sometimes God needs to break your spirit to save your soul. If you're online right now, and you're crying, and you feel broken, and there's nowhere to turn, look at what my brother Chris did online soul broken, nowhere to turn, lost everything, but his soul gets saved. And then the last part says, he breaks our heart to make us whole. If you're broken today, you're at the right place because God's message is he heals. So let's pray. Father, we come before you and we come to you boldly. Holy Spirit, move in a very powerful way so that we can experience you. Father, in the power of your name, I ask that you go, uh, go through online and touch that person right now. There's a girl crying and needing you, seeking you, and I ask that you move in a way that transforms her life and many others online. And Father, I pray for those outside and inside that we receive you and that you build our faith today. And we thank you for that. And if someone online or outside or indoors needs faith, all you have to do is, the Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. And it goes like this. Repeat after me if that's you. Father, forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my soul, and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me and you rose again three days later so that I can be with you in eternity. And I thank you for that, Lord. Holy Spirit, Take over my mind, body, and my soul and teach me how to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, last thing I want to share with you. You know what? One of the things that we can do as a church and share this message in our own feed and watch the people watching it and have their life being transformed. We do it as a staff, and if you do it, I promise you, it impacts people because God can do anything. You guys ready to worship? Let's sing some more songs. Why don't you be a stand with us?